You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, let's give some context for this one. I've always been a tremendous fan of players who excel at multiple positions, uh, which in the acting world is the equivalent of taking on different types of roles and more importantly, performing them at a high level. Uh, we're going to go back to spring 2015 when my buddy Matt Demetroff introduced me to How I Met Your Mother. I fell in love with the show almost immediately. It was so relatable for kids trying to navigate New York City in their mid-20s. And throughout that spring and into early summer, I always loved the episodes when Claudia and Mark stopped by McLaren's. I think it's a great testament to a performer who can immerse themselves into a juggernaut team like that and not be overshadowed by the great talent around them. And not only that, but to steal scenes in the way they do, you know, brilliant comedic delivery. That very much defines our special guest tonight. She's thrived in a large and varied number of roles on TV, in addition to what she's accomplished on How I Met Your Mother. If you're a soap fan, you may know her from One Life to Live and As the World Turns. She also starred as Lauren Reed in Fairly Legal. And in recent years, you've probably seen her in anything from Fuller House to Charm to Teenage Bounty Hunters. On June 3rd, you'll be able to catch her throughout the second season of Why Women Kill on Paramount Plus as she takes on the role of Grace in the show's much-anticipated return. Uh, she's also got some ties to our home base here in New York City, which I think should make this one pretty cool, too. Uh, with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just beyond the marquee, now batting, Virginia Williams. Virginia, welcome to Break a Bat. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a fun introduction. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm so stoked you're here. I've never had a fellow Fordham Ram come on this podcast. It's a Go big Rams. day for Break a Bat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were at the Lincoln Center campus like I am, but since the school's home base is in the Bronx, you ever make it to many Yankee games while you're here? Because if memory serves, you were a student right in the heart of the late 90s dynasty. Yes, I graduated from Fordham Lincoln Center uh, in the year 2000, right at 2000. Um, so I I did go visit the other campus. Um 
I remember going to like a couple of football games freshman year thinking maybe this would have a semblance of what I was used to back home in Tennessee and then realized very quickly that it just, I mean, they have a football team, but <laughs> it's not, it's not Tennessee football. It's a different world. I was in an art school, <laughs> but I had fun doing that and meeting some of those uh, kids over at that campus. But um, no, I can't believe it, but I never made it to a Yankees game. I know, I know, I know. It feels blasphemous. So I should just rule out the idea that you had a Derek Jeter poster up on your wall, you know, uh, in the dorm room. That did not happen. I'm sorry. We can, you know, we can pretend. We could. I'm, a, I'm an okay <laughs> actor. I've been told. I can come up with a whole big story around it, but um, no, that didn't. That didn't happen. I I had some Yankees baseball caps in my day, but I was a poser. <laughs> <laughs> It is a fashion statement for anyone who lives in the city, whether or not you Definitely. know a thing about baseball. It's a, it, that's a thing here now. That's true. That's true. You know, I actually have, this is so, I mean, this is off topic and kind of random, but um, I have two really good friends that I'm wondering if they've ever been on your show and if they haven't, we need to figure out how to get them on because they're amazing. Do you know the Rhinus brothers by any chance? I, Okay, so Gar Rhinus is a friend of mine. He is, I'm sure some of your listeners will know who he is if they're really baseball peeps. Um, he's known as Batting Stance Guy. Oh my gosh, do, yes. Yeah, so he can do like every baseball player's batting stance. And then one of my other dearest friends is his younger brother, Bryce Rhinus, who's a Broadway star. Um, and he, there's actually a really funny story. The same, the same night, Gar was on... He lives in LA and Letterman flew Gar out to New York to do his batting stance stuff on Letterman. And Leno had flown the cast out from uh, Hare in New York because they just won a Tony or had nominated for to LA to do um, to do a, product, a, a number from Hare. And it was they were both on it the same night. It was so cool. <laughs> but yeah, they're brothers. Talk about, you know, Broadway and baseball connections. Good grief. That's my dream night of television right there that you just described. Uh, too, <laughs> yeah, bad, right? <laughs> too bad we're audio only because that would be very cool to have on the show. I mean, I, I don't know how it would necessarily work, you know, strictly on an audio level, but that is very cool to know. How, yeah. Are those friends from back home? In, uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm good friends with their sister, Bevan, just randomly, just three friends in LA and then became friends. They're four kids, the Rhinus family. This is like a really big, they're not paying me to do this, by the way. This is like such a huge <laughs> advertisement for their family. I spent the entire podcast talking about <laughs> great these people are. They're just friends. Nothing more than just friends. <laughs> so they're not in any legal trouble where you're being paid they're not to in any legal be a character trouble. witness. Okay. I'm not in any legal trouble where I have to. No, no, they're just they're just good people. <laughs> it sounds like you're a very good friend to them as well, Virginia. Oh, and, uh, well, I mean, come on, your listeners are like Broadway people and baseball people. Like these, this has to be of interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they love great entertainment, so I, I have it. to ask, how's everything going out in LA? Getting ready for the uh, big premiere uh, next week? Yeah, it's it's such a weird time. I mean, you know, for everyone, it, it, it's an interesting time that, you know, there's no premiere, there's no, we did all get together, the cast got together at um, Mark Cherry's house uh, day before yesterday. Mark is the creator, he, he created Desperate Housewives, and um, is the creator of Why Women Kill, and it's been so strange because he is normally an extraordinarily hands-on 
writer, executive producer. And I know in season one, he, I think he was there like every scene, every take giving notes. And for us, because of COVID, um, we would do what we called a cherry rehearsal where after we'd rehearsed it, um, the DP, uh, director of photography would FaceTime him and, or, or an AD would assistant director and would FaceTime him. And, uh, he would watch our rehearsal and then give his notes that way, but he never came to set. So no one in the cast had ever even met him until Sunday, which was crazy after we'd all been vaccinated and we could hang out. So <laughs> it was wild. It was really wild. But, um, but yeah, no, we're all really excited to have a show come out. I had another show, uh, like one of my favorite shows I've ever done in my life, Teenage Bounty Hunters. We actually came out uh, August of this past year and same thing, this, you know, Genji Cohen who, created Orange is the New Black and Glow and all that. She was our EP and it was a, a real, really, really special show. And it was just so weird coming out in a pandemic. No premiere, no parties, no dress up, <laughs> no real <laughs> press, no real interviews, except for things, you know, like this in our own homes. So it was, it's, it's been a weird thing, but it's, um, you know, I'm just glad that we were able to still make some art during this time and figured out how to do it safely and did our whole season of why women kill. We just did all 10 episodes safely in the middle of a pandemic and have some new, some new uh, material to put out there in the next couple of weeks. So that's exciting. I'm sure everybody's sick of watching the same old stuff. Now, are you rusty at all when you had to go back on set, having been, you know, at home and locked down for so long? It's funny you ask that because a little bit, I mean, you don't forget how to act per se, but when you're used to doing it every day and you're, you know, a regular series regular on a show and you're going into work every day and all this, and then it's a year off because I finished Teenage Bounty Hunters in October and then I was, you know, con still contracted to them until the show came out and we found out if we were going to get renewed or not. And sadly, we were a COVID casualty, but the day we found out we were not renewed um, was the day Why Women Kill was able to make the official offer for me to come on and do that show, which shot in LA, which was great. I got to be with my family and at home and not traveling and no quarantining and all that kind of jazz. So I was able to go directly into that show. But from the end of Teenage Bounty Hunters to the beginning of Why Women Kill, it was a full year. Full year. Yeah, right at a full year. And I did. I, I remember there was one day on set. It was a day that Eva Longoria was directing, actually. And um, she's an awesome director, by the way. Um, she is paying me, by the way. She, we have some legal battles, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just say nice things about people just because nobody's giving me any money or in any sort of legal battle. I genuinely like her as a person. She's lovely um, <laughs> and a really damn smart director. So she was directing us. And I remember I had this one scene and maybe it was just a little extra um, odd or nerve wracking because it's, it's one of those telephone scenes as an actor where you're acting with yourself <laughs> and you're acting into a phone to someone who's not actually responding to you or saying anything. So it's all in your head. And I remember I was doing the scene and I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get totally found out. Nobody's, everyone's going to figure out that I have no idea how to act. It was just this really like nerve wracking moment where you just got a little um, anxiety and I took a deep breath and, you know, life went on and it was fine and I'm sure it'll turn out great. But in the moment there really was this, oh my God, I haven't done this in a whole year. Like, do I, do I, do I know to do this? Do I, and, I, and I think maybe because as an actor, you, you, I think when you're doing it well, you're putting your focus on the other person. You're really 
you know, what are you doing? How do I feel about it? What are you doing? How do I feel about it? And you're able to act with another human. And so maybe it was because I was on a phone just with myself. I was like, ah, everyone's looking at me and it's just me. Look at this huge crew. Oh my God, they all have masks on. I can't see anyone's eyes with their face shields. This is scary. I want out of here. Um, but it, you know, that's just the the me being extremely vulnerable and more open with you than I probably should be. But um, but yeah, but then you, you know, you take a breath and you go, okay, don't have an anxiety attack. Everything's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. All of 10 minutes into this episode, I already, you know, I had a decent gauge on, you know, what your personality was like. So I have to know, rumor has it, you know, your character is the only nice one in the garden club. Are you happy it worked out that way? Or is it more fun to play the edgy stuck up character? That's a lot different from your own personality. That's really funny. I okay. I loved playing Grace. She is, she is the, the sweet pea. In fact, I remember on day one, Mark said to me, our creator, Mark Cherry said to me, um, Grace is the only one in the club who is, she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. He said she doesn't have an ounce of snark or his exact words. And that was so funny to me because I thought I have built my entire career on snark. Like, <laughs> I know snark. I am good at snark. I can do snark with my hands tied. Um, so it was actually kind of a, a challenge to make sure that I played everything with her just as purely as I could. No sarcasm, no snark. And that's actually kind of a challenge in that I think I am, um, I mean, I, I I think I'm a nice person, but I'm sarcastic, you know, like I can, I can make a joke here or there. And it was just funny just to play Grace in this other way. I, I made, my mom is a lot like her. So I tried to think about my mother a lot and I, I raised my, um, where my voice sat a little bit, where she talked and it's 1949. So everything's a little bit more enunciated and she was, yeah, she was a blast, but to answer your question, who's more fun to play? Absolutely the bad girls. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to play, I wouldn't say, you know, quote unquote bad girls, but I tend to play very uh, multidimensional, let's say, ladies. And uh, they, they, yeah, they're more fun to play. I felt a little like scenery in this. I was like, oh, I say some nice words and wear pretty clothes. And <laughs> but, but, it was, but it was fun. It was fun nonetheless, for sure. <laughs> Now, you mentioned drawing inspiration uh, from your mother for this particular character. I have to know, on the How I Met Your Mother front, did you know many couples where the girl was just way too hot for the guy that she's with that you brought to uh, Claudia? <laughs> Me and my friend Matt know plenty like that, so that's why I think I really took such a liking to the show when he introduced it to me. So. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that was kind of the the joke with that couple, huh? But the the actor I got to work with, he's fantastic, by the way, um, and lovely and and very handsome. But yes, the the joke was that uh, my character was supposed to be a bit of a, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yeah, of course, especially being, I think, in New York. I, I just think generally, it's when the man is a great deal older, <laughs> you know, like Bradford and I have a little game, my husband and I have a little game when we go out to dinner in Beverly Hills that we like to call wife or daughter. And you pass a couple and you're like, she wife or daughter? Mm, I don't know. Wait, how's that hand holding? Does it feel more like a daughter that he's taken out for graduation? Or, nope, nope. That was a butt grab. She's a wife. 
<laughs> you never know. New York and LA have quite a few, uh, quite a few couples that are not close in age. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I uh, I have to ask you, being a Memphis girl, how'd you like New York City? Because I know you've been in LA for a long time now. You yeah. also, you know, you spent some pretty formative years here in Manhattan. So yeah, overall, sure. how did you adapt to it? Um, there was a lot that I loved about it. I was there for uh, almost seven years. So I came out to New York. Well, I actually, when I was in high school at this little all-girls school in Memphis, Tennessee, I flew to New York to audition for Fordham's theater department. And while I was there, I did have a manager at the time. I had done some um, <laughs> some really high-end local modeling. You might know me from such ads as Holidays Fashions in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm totally making a joke here. Like the the <laughs> local Memphis modeling circuit is not that competitive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was doing like teenage, you know, quote unquote modeling um, and ended up getting this manager in New York uh, when we went out for spring break one year who who would uh, send me out for like commercial auditions and things. So I went out one summer and I booked a few national commercials and I was like, oh, great. That's how this works. You just go to New York and book national commercials and make a bunch of money. I think I'll be an actor. And I was in for a very rude awakening for, you know, how hard it actually is. But um, I I did come out to audition for Fordham's theater department. And while I was there, that manager that I told you I'd been out for commercial auditions for said, um, if you stay an extra day, there's this role on One Life to Live. It's a three-day recur. But it would have been my first... um, quote unquote, real acting role. You know, it wasn't selling Crest toothpaste. It was, I got to act in a scene in a soap opera. Um, And so anyway, I auditioned for it. I got it. And then the job turned into like over a year of work. So I would fly back and forth. I didn't want to give up my senior year in Memphis though. So I would just fly back and forth when I shot and got to know New York Upper West Side um, pretty well then and felt really comfortable around Fordham because that's where, uh, you know, Lincoln Center is on the Upper West Side, really close to where ABC um, studio where One Life shot was like within six blocks, I think. And so I knew the area well and I felt comfortable there. And I was like, OK, I feel I feel good about Fordham. I, so it's the only place I applied. And um, and I got in and went there. And I you know, there was a lot that I loved about New York and a lot now as a grown up <laughs> that I feel like I could, I think if I were to come back to New York to live, um, it would just have to be under kind of specific circumstances. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty rad being 20, 22, 24 and poor in New York. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> um, I feel like at this stage in my life with two small kids. I, and I've gotten used to having a yard and space for my kids to run around and play and all that. It would be, it would be really hard to go and live, even if it was a, you know, it'd have to be a really kick-ass apartment in New York for me to, (laughs) to to make that work. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) It would have to really be something special. That said, my biggest dream, like my absolute biggest dream of my entire life is to be on Broadway. So I would figure out come hell or high water, if they paid me 12 cents a day, I would figure out how to, how to be there for sure and make it work. That would be absolutely still the biggest dream. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Were you like uh, a lone theater kid growing up in Memphis? Because I, you know, I haven't had the privilege of welcoming too many folks down south, but the fo- from down south, but the ones mm-hmm. that I have welcomed have always had such a strong passion for theater. Were you kind of like... Uh, a lone wolf on that front where you grew up? I mean, sort of. So as I said, I went to this small all-girls school and we actually had a a really wonderful director of the, our little, uh, you can call it a theater department. It was, you know, drama class. <laughs> um, but she, but the teacher was awesome. Her name is Anne-Marie Kasky. She still remains one of my favorite teachers and is a big reason why I certainly am an actor. Um, I really fell in love with, musicals first. I was a singer and a dancer, a competitive dancer. I, you know, I competed with a, with a studio in, um, in Memphis and kind of fell into theater that way, doing the musicals in high school. We did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, my freshman, I mean, my, it was our, our high school production in my freshman year. Um, there were three of us that played the narrator. Uh, they split into three parts, but as a freshman, being Great role. Film, that was, uh, it's a, yeah, it is. It's a, it's an amazing <laughs> role. Um, and I just was like, Oh, this is fun. I get to sing and dance. And turns out I like this acting thing too. This is kind of cool. And, um, and my love for musical theater was what really took off and started my love for acting in general. It really wasn't until, um, really wasn't until my senior year of high school when I started doing a little bit of drama and um, learning a little bit of Shakespeare and, do, you know, that I was like, okay, I like this. And then when I auditioned for Fordham, I mean, they don't even have a, or at the time, didn't have a musical theater department or anything. It really is um, definitely not known for that. So I I went as an acting student with the intention of, of really studying the craft of acting and, um, yeah, and fell in love with it that way. And then I think because I went to such a, um, I think because Fordham was, at the time, I, I, I don't know, this was a, a while ago, but it, it was very experimental. I think it still is. Um, and a bit highbrow with their, you know, their, they were, we are a theater school, you know, they were very, very, <laughs> very fancy about it. Um, and I think because I, when I was an undergrad, I also auditioned for and applied to do the, uh, be a part of the British American Drama Academy in London. And I did that for a semester. And then I also um, studied in Oxford for a whole summer at Balliol College at Oxford and got uh, my Shakespeare training there and became a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a theater dork at that point and fell in love with all of that and still wanted to do and still love musicals. I just hadn't kept up the training with singing and dancing um, the way that I had when I was a little bit younger. So 
uh, I just sort of naturally fell into film and television a couple of years after graduation from Fordham. And that brought me to LA and I've kind of just been on that track ever since, but yeah, but no, I'm still, I'm still the geek screaming, you know, belting out musical theater in my car by myself <laughs> on the 405 in LA, like <laughs> Angelica. oh man no that's that's still still the dream dude old dreams die hard that's still that's still the childhood dream it's still there (laughs) you know which one i'm obsessed with from hamilton you know because you mentioned you alluded to the skylar sisters there and a lot of people are surprised when they when i tell them it's my favorite hamilton song after room where it happens is your Mm -hmm. obedient servant because i don't know if you saw the you know the disney plus version but one of like you know the last scenes there I just think that Leslie Odom was so Mm -hmm. damn good. And that scene, you know, putting up his feet on the table, writing the letter, Dear Alexander, I'm slow to hang. Oh, so this is like, there's something about that soundtrack. Like out of all the shows that are going to come back to Broadway, that's one of the first. And I think it's almost most appropriate. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, it it kills me, man. I, I, I saw it on Broadway a couple years ago. I was actually in New York. Um. I did a a Broadway Cares benefit um, at the public, and it was some Broadway stars and some other film and TV people or whatever that sang, and we each did like a solo or a, or a group number or whatever, and um, and did this benefit for uh, cancer research and awareness. And uh, while I was there, I had an extra day and knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew a scalper that you know. <laughs> Ticket for like my mortgage, and I was like, take it gladly. (laughs) Um, And so I was able to see it, um, you know, uh, unexpectedly last notice and late notice. And was, and and, and by the way, I really did not think there was any way it could begin to live up to the hype. I was super annoyed by the hype, honestly. At the time, I was working on the show Fuller House. And there were, um, you know, I worked with a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of younger actors and all of the teenagers on that show at the time were like, ah, exactly the way I was as a teenager, just running around, singing every song from the show, like totally not caring at all, but it was super annoying to every single other person in the entire production, but they just did not stop. And so I feel like I knew the entire musical before I ever saw the musical from all the 15 year olds that were singing it so much. So I really was like, it's not going to live up to the hype. It'll be great, but it can't be that great. And I watched, I mean, I I don't think I stopped crying from like the first five minutes it started. I was like, this is genius. (laughs) It is. It's genius. It's, 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 it's even better than I could have begun to have expected. Now what's your all time favorite show? Ooh, that's hard. Um, you know, I'll always have really, special places in my heart for two specific shows that I was able to do when I was younger. Well, one was Godspell. I love Godspell. Um, first, because of, I just, uh, with my faith, I'm a Christian and I love the show and I think it's a really beautiful show and a really cool way to learn about, um, about Christ. And I loved that in the production I was able to do, uh, cause you know, Jesus is teacher is, you know, it's, it's te- the, the teacher character is just teacher. It can be whatever. And I remember the director I was working with said um, that she really loved this one passage that teacher says in the play about um, 
how God's like a, a hen gathering her brood. And she just had this imagery of a woman playing the role. So anyway, I, I got to play the part of teacher and that was just really, really cool. Um, and also, I mean, I'm such a sucker for Maria and the sound of music. I'm just such a sucker for the sound of music. It's just such a like, it's just, it's one of those that I could do a sing-along with, I think, till the day I die. I haven't introduced my little kids to it yet. I feel like it might be still a little bit slow for them. They're three and five, but um, but yeah, like they do a Hollywood Bowl here in LA. The Hollywood Bowl, they do a big sing-along every summer. Of course, not this year because the pandemic, but it's just, you know, it's just a fun one. It's just a fun one to be a part of. My recommendation on Sound of Music is third grade at the earliest. That's the age that my younger sister was when I was in sixth grade when my parents showed it to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it kept us enthralled the entire time. I, I'll never forget that night when they first showed it to us. I think it was like New Year's Day night. And oh, that's such a classic. I even have a friend named Mark Andrew and his mother to this day still sings like a little song. How do you solve a problem like Mark Andrew? You oh, know, even adorable. though we're, you know, we're yeah. 30 years old now at this point and still getting into trouble. So it's funny how... Uh, Sound of music still very very prevalent in my life. It's you know it's a it's a it's a classic. It's a classic. It's a, a, a really really great one, and all the music from it is fun. And you know anything Julie Andrews puts into a movie, you can't not like. <laughs> I could not agree more. And I have to know, being a visible face on television, do you get asked much to audition for Broadway? Given you know. People know that you love it. You've talked about it quite a bit in the past. Is it, you know, sometimes when you're on TV, you get a little bit of an edge. You kind of can sidestep the audition if they think you're perfect for the role. Has anyone ever talked to you about it? Yeah, no. I mean, I came actually pretty close years ago, maybe, I don't know, maybe six years ago, not too, too long ago. Um, They brought Rocky to Broadway. Do you remember that? It did not last long. But um, I... um, I really loved the material and they just, I think ultimately there were conversations that I just, the look was just all wrong. I'm like, we can totally darken my hair and do prosthetics and do whatever. I want this role so bad, but it it did not, it did not go my way, but that was the closest I've really come in a long time. I mean, the truth be told, I I'm often, um, because of the way television contracts work out, you are contracted to a show for X amount of time. And even if after the show airs, you're, are still contracted to it until it gets renewed or let go. And they tend to have, you know, I mean, they can have a year after you finish potentially to hold on to you. And so, I mean, lately I haven't had much time that I've actually even had that opportunity to go and, and, and do something like that to take off and go live in New York for a while and do it. But let me tell you, if somebody comes a call in, I will figure it out. I would love that. And, and, and listen, I, I also think that, you know, your voice is a muscle and like anything, if you, you got to use it, you got to work it out. So I'd have to get myself back in shape. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that this year, getting myself, you know, starting up voice lessons again and really just getting that, um, working, working those muscles and working those tools so that they're, they're ready to go when that opportunity comes, because I, I, I believe someday it just might, I I want it too bad. (laughs) I want it to happen also. I can't no. think of anything better, to be honest, because, you know, like I said, you've thrived in so many different types of roles and you've accomplished so much in your career. But I have to say, now it's about to get a little tough on Breakabout. We do a segment called Fastball Derby, which you might Ooh. be familiar with. Tell me about it. 
All right, so I want you to picture. Yeah, so I know you never made it to Yankee Stadium, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's this thing called the batter's box. I want you to imagine yourself at that. Uh Um, uh A closer is on the mound Uh by the name of Araldus Chapman, fastest throwing man ever. He throws 105. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. You got to think of the first thing that comes to your mind. And since you're such a great storyteller, feel free to throw some of those in there too. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it, folks. Uh, Batter up. Favorite New York City meal? Oh, gosh. The mushroom pizza from Sbarro's at the corner. (laughs) What are you, Michael Scott, going to go get myself a New York slice at Sbarro's? What? (laughs) I can't tell you how often I think about that. I'm sorry. But living in L.A. And I I went to some fancy pants restaurants in New York. But I got to tell you, L.A. cannot. No one, no one has been able to make a slice of pizza the way that your standard, just, you know, bottom of your apartment building pizza place can. They, it's so crispy. I always had it go through the oven twice and say so put it in twice as long as it normally oh, would go. Oh, well done. That's what we crispy. call it in New York. We say, get it well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes through twice. And then th- those mushrooms, those, you know, I'm sure they're just like come out of a gross can, but they're like the best <laughs> mushrooms I've ever tasted in my whole entire life. I've never been able to to replicate it. No, that would be the first thing you asked them for the first thing. That was the first thing that came to mind. Hey, either way, it sounds like I'm having pizza for dinner tonight. Yeah. Um, it, uh, no, but not from Sabaros, though. We have a pretty good. Place, yeah, not Sabaros. So. I, I didn't mean. Yeah. I just, you know, but 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 like, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I don't remember. I lived in Hell's Kitchen for a while in 48th oh, yeah. and 8th, and there was um, a pizza place when you got off at the. Times Square subway station. John's John's Pizza by the St. James Theater. Is that what we're talking about? I don't know. It's when you get off the NR. Um, uh, 44th street. I don't know if that right there by 40. Yeah. And there's a, anyway, there's a pizza place right on the corner there. And I just, I swear, I, I mean, if I were there, I'd be like 730 pounds. There's no way I (laughs) I just couldn't, I couldn't walk by there and not get a slice. I'd be like, okay, I I guess that's it. I get four o'clock. I guess that's dinner. I don't get, I don't get to eat again today, but I'm going to get that pizza. (laughs) Love it. Team Derek Jeter or team Alex Rodriguez. Derek Jeter. Great answer. I mean, I, I would I would hope that you're a winner, so I'm glad that you chose Derek Peter. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> is Alex Rodriguez the ones that's with J Lo or was? Was, was with yeah. J Lo and who is who is in the midst of an epic meltdown right now. If don't don't follow him on social media because it'll just don't give worry. you a headache. But it's okay. it's it's like a it's a uh, what do they say? Like you can't keep your eye away from a train wreck or you can't keep your eye <gasps> was away it from bad? Is he hurting? Is he sad? Yeah, he's acting <gasps> out on social media of ridiculous selfies and captions. Oh, oh, now I feel bad for him. Okay, I didn't feel bad for him. I was annoyed with him, which is why I said, which is why I did not choose him because I think like super, super, super famous celebrity couples are really obnoxious. I think there okay. should be one in a couple. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him. He cheated on her. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no you know. sympathy. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, how about this one? Uh, you know a thing or two about great American music being from Memphis. Who is America's band? The Beach Boys or the Eagles? Mm. Oh, that's hard. I mean, I like the Eagles better, but the, the Beach Boys are like America. I don't know. I can't. Do I have to answer? <laughs> how about this? You don't have to answer if you tell me Virginia Williams' favorite song from both bands. Oh no, I don't. I no, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm gonna say I'm just gonna go with the Beach Boys. And the reason I am right now, this cracks me up a little bit as I'm thinking about. Um, doesn't John Stamos do a lot? 
Yes, he's <laughs> still like, out there performing with them. He's like still doing it, which I think is just hilarious and awesome. He's he's such a nice guy, by the way. Having worked with him, in respect just, to your Fuller House castmate. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a nice guy, but he's just a. It's, it's just. <sighs> That just makes funny me that he likes the Beach Boys. That you know, guys like you know me and John Stamos are fans of a band like that. I, I understand that we're <laughs> in the same class, and it might be hard for you to believe that, but uh, totally. <laughs> I'm glad that you find that funny. <laughs> uh, how about this one? Thing you miss most about Memphis? Hmm. Well, I mean, my parents, um, my brother and his wife and their three boys are there, and so I, I do miss family. Um, but besides family, just of, of what's special to the city, um, there's something I kind of love about that Memphis summer heat. We don't really get, it's humid and it's gross and it's yucky and you sweat and you glisten the whole time and it's home. And there's something about it that just feels like a Tennessee Williams play every minute, then you're in it and you smell the honeysuckle and the, there's, you, it's everything smells different and tastes different and feels different when it's that like hot Memphis summer humidity. And I kind of love it. <laughs> it's like being in a say, sauna. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I have to tell you, I, the only time I've ever been to De- Tennessee was during the month of August. And I think, you know, our audience has heard about the bachelor party that I've that I went to down there. I one of my very favorite places in the United States, even in August, though. So I didn't oh, mind yeah? the sweating too much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Do Th- you went to a bachelor party in Memphis? No, in Nashville. Oh, in but Nashville. I said Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, Nashville's like a boom town right now, man. That is that's the place to be. That's the place hey, to let's, go buy a house, man. If you're going anywhere, go to Nashville. People are loving Nashville. I even have a, a Grand Ole Opry face mask. It's one of my, like I said, one of my ah, very favorite places in the United awesome. States. <laughs> that's great. Hopefully I won't have to wear that for much longer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, get back to fastball derby here. Your favorite Muppet. Oh my gosh. My favorite Muppet. Tougher than the Beach Boys Eagles question. It is. My favorite <laughs> Muppet. I, I'm like, was Snuffleupagus isn't a Muppet. He's Sesame Street. I can't even... <laughs> Same builders, I guess. I mean, Nick Swisher actually answered with Snuffleupagus as one of his answers for that question. He used to play okay. for the Yankees. So yeah, no, I know Nick. Stuffy. Nick's married to a friend of mine, Joanna Garcia. So yes, Joe did a. Um, we did a movie together called uh, Revenge of the Bridesmaids, and she played. I was the bride, and she played my like. She and Raven Simone were the two bridesmaids, and it was it's crazy. <laughs> we still to this day, like that came out probably 10 years ago. And if you were in a certain age bracket, female, you will not pass me in an airport without being like, Caitlin McNabb. (laughs) 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 I feel like every 13 year old girl in the entire United States of America saw that movie at one point. Like, so if you're in your early twenties, you, you know, you you might know who I am. (laughs) 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 She's sweet, but yeah. um, So yeah, I know Nick, they're lovely. (laughs) There we go. So, so you're okay, I'm in snuffle. good company. If Nick says Snuffleupagus, then I can say Snuffleupagus. Done. Heck yeah. I couldn't agree more. Fact about Virginia Williams that would surprise people the most. I am extraordinarily good at Miss Pac-Man. Like, weirdly so. Like, I've, like, gotten to the kill screen multiple <laughs> times. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm... Talent! I'm, 
it's <laughs> it's kind of scary how myopic I can get if you find a if there's a a random Miss Pac-Man machine in some you know random bar somewhere you need to come back tomorrow because I'm gonna be right there <laughs> I'm gonna play it till I get to the kill screen and y'all can just go home <laughs> and come back tomorrow because bring me beer don't bring me beer doesn't matter I'm completely zoned out playing that game I we had a Miss Pac-Man machine when I was a little kid um actually in our playroom my dad had had gotten one from somewhere um i'm sure the local pizza hut was getting rid of theirs or something and so we got it it was one of those sit down ones you know remember the the tables ones in the 80s where you could Mm -hmm. sit on either side of it so we did round robin tournaments when i was growing up my younger brother and my mom and my dad and that started the deep dark obsession (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that you had one in your living room or something like that. And no, you but don't put, the it right. past me. <laughs> don't put it past me. I, if you know, if one of your listeners knows of where I can get a good one, I would not be surprised if I like redecorated my living room around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want this to end, but we have this one question that we use to wrap every show. I wish we mm-hmm. weren't on time constraints. Um, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? I had a professor in college. This is a hard one for me to um, abide by sometimes, being a perfectionist people pleaser. uh, It's a challenge. But he told me one time, he said, um, undersell and overdeliver. Simple. But I remember I was in his, I was in an honors class with him and I was, I had an audition or something and I was ready. I said, oh, I I think I'm going to make it to like the second half of class and I'm going to try to, he said, Ginger, my nickname's Ginger. Everybody calls me Ginger. He said, Ginger, instead of saying, you know, you're going to try to get there when it's highly likely you won't. And so I'd be like, I won't be there. And then it's a nice surprise when you are there. And so I try to remember that sometimes that it's, it's, I'm so uh, concerned about disappointing people in the present that, that all that is, is just sort of putting off the disappointment for later. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to try to make it. It's better to be like, can't make it. And then if you can, great. <laughs> But it doesn't just go with making it to a place that, you know, that applies to a lot of things across the board. But um, it's better to surprise people with how great something turns out than the opposite. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. And God, Virginia, this was absolutely epic. I hope in some way you make it to Broadway one day. Uh, mm-hmm. especially on stage, but even if you and the family come in, you know, to watch the show, you have to let us know because this was just such a great time and you're so oh. cool. And it was so awesome to have you here tonight. Thank, Thank you. you. What a sweetheart. I had a lovely time. This is a really fun podcast. So well done. You're doing a great job and I enjoyed being a guest. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Virginia. And uh, thanks to all the Batheads listening at home. I can't thank you enough. Be sure to subscribe to Break a Bat. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafronte signing off from the Batter's Box and Break a Bat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.